Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hey guys, it's another episode of the Believe in Padres Prospects Podcast on the Believe Podcast Network. San Diego's number one sports podcast network. We're back. I'm back. Uh, the Padres are not back after a big game on, what did I say, Wednesday? Yeah. On a big, after a big game on Tuesday where everything was right with the world, uh, they're getting bent over a barrel 10-1 by Oakland here on Wednesday. So, such is baseball. Great one day, terrible the next. This is episode 91. Wade is not here because uh, he's Wade. This week, we've got special guest Chris Welsh from In This League podcast and Prospect One. So he's been on the show multiple times. If you don't know who he is by now, go check him out. He's really great prospect content, draft content, all that stuff, fantasy content. Um, and not just baseball. He does football stuff too. So I encourage you to all go check him out. That's going to be it today. We have Chris Welsh coming on. Um, I talked to him about the draft, um, some of the trade rumors swirling around the Padres, and we make sure to get this episode out as quickly as possible. So, you know, in the event that uh, the Padres trade for Joey Gallo, um, at least this will stay semi-relevant, and that's typically what happens: is we'll we'll talk about something, um, publish the episode, or, or schedule it to be published the following morning. I don't like to publish at night, but um, get it edited at night and then send it out. You know, scheduled for the morning, and usually something will happen big in between those two things. So, um, in advance, you are uh, welcome for making blank trade happen because I chose to do the podcast on a Wednesday afternoon. So, we're talking about the Adam Fraser trade. We're talking about the draft. We're talking about potential future trades, all that good stuff. But first. July is underway and a great month for sports. I assume you know that already. If you're into sports betting, BetOnline is where you should go to win money today. The NBA Finals are over. MLB is heading into its second half of the season. And there's lots of trades that are happening very soon. And there's lots of action to get into. If you're a football better, European or American, there's tons of futures and props you can wager on as well. BetOnline has all the latest odds, news, and information for all your online sports betting needs. Visit the website today or go on your mobile device to join and receive 50% on your welcome bonus on your first deposit. So before the next tip-off, face-off, or pitch, head on over to BetOnline and start playing today. BetOnline, your sportsbook experts. So let's get right into it with Chris Welsh. Welcome back, Chris Welsh from In This League and the Prospect One podcast, available wherever you download podcasts. Follow him at Is It The Welsh. That's my computer. Did you hear that making a, a sound? Um, mm. What's up, Welsh? How you doing? Ryan, what's up, buddy? <laughs> computer, I was like, what is that? Uh, what's up, man? I'm glad to be back. Glad to uh, talk to you again. It's been a little bit. Yeah, we've uh, we've been busy over by we. I mean, I have been busy over here this summer. Um, we we had a COVID. Uh, cancellation last year of our the summer league that i run um in san mm. diego and this year we've been getting after it hard and i've been a lot busier and haven't been doing the podcast weekly like i try to um so we, we've missed out on a lot of stuff but we're trying to get back into it more our season's ending this week 
and happy to bring you on because you make my job easier. You're hey. you're the prospect guy. Yeah, glad glad to be back. I was actually just in San Diego the other day too. Uh, you are living in the greatest, uh, <laughs> the, the literal uh, paradise uh, of the world in there and doing all that stuff. But yeah, no, glad to be back and glad to uh, talk about whatever whatever you want to dig into. Oh, we're gonna, we're gonna start digging right now. So I'd like to bring you in because you're you're kind of my draft guy. You're you're big into the draft, but not just for the prospect love that it deserves, but also how they relate to fantasy, which I think most people are in two camps for prospects. They either follow prospects for their team, and that's it, or they follow prospects prospects because it impacts you know how they play fantasy baseball, whether it's a deep league where you know you're rostering a ton of prospects or it's a shallower league and maybe you're only rostering five or ten, but it still matters. Yeah. Um, hey, you know, it's funny about that too, is like I will because I intersect you know, in the fantasy community and then like the the purest uh, scout in baseball community. And it's something that took, I think it's taken a long time and it's still not like completely accepted that, you know, the people that have been doing prospects for so long, they always know that fantasy like plays a role, mm -hmm. but I don't think they accept it and they haven't accepted it. And it's taken so long to really understand that, that you're right. There's like, there's, there's two camps. There's like the you know, people that want to follow their own teams and know about their teams. And then there's fantasy. And I think for the longest time you would have, you just, if you ever watch like chats on like, you know, old school, like ESPN, if like yeah. law was doing it, or you go to baseball America chats and stuff, and people ask fantasy questions and you would almost see like annoyance from, from, you know, the <laughs> analysts that were talking about it, that like it, they wanted to just talk to you in pure baseball form, but don't realize that like 90%, I would say it's close to 90% of the interest in prospects, it's fantasy based. And, and and people are finally starting to realize that. Like Baseball America is finally starting to do some fantasy prospect content and other people are starting to dive into it more. But it's like the reason that prospects are so popular and, and I think the the big scout guys and you know I've had this conversation like Eric Longenhagen from Fangraphs, he's one of the smartest people I know and and especially in like a true scouting form. But like I've had him on for like three or four years. When I first had him on it was like translating it's same with Jim Callis translating him into his speak into fantasy the very first episode I ever did of prospect one the very first one was because I locked in Jonathan Mayo nice. and the the conversation was just about their list but I kept transitioning it to be the example I give was Ahmed Rosario was like number three on their list okay. and I was like but Ahmed Rosario's offense isn't great and then you know, Mayo would have to be like, well, yeah, you're right. You know, if we were just thinking about the offense, he might be in the 20s or something. And it's like, well, that is the point. You you have to serve both. I mean, he, they don't have to, but know that the audience is trying to decipher it from a fantasy perspective. And I think just over the last two years, most of the major sites and people are starting to learn fantasy speak a little bit more than completely ignoring it or getting annoyed by it. And the defensive value stuff, I think, still plays a part in fantasy because I've, I've been a big fantasy prospect guy for a long time. And I will pay attention to to sometimes when a player is regarded as such a, a defensive whiz, especially the infield, it matters in his ability to get to the big leagues. So I'm totally. Uh, so this is a, a very personal example that maybe nobody will care about. But Geraldo Perdomo, I just traded for in a, in a prospect league and yeah. he's having kind of a bad year. He's been called up. Uh, he was up for like a brief time in Arizona. You might be m more locked in on yeah. what her her all. Yeah, he, he had a little bit of it. Yeah, a little bit of time. Yeah, considered to be you know pretty major league ready defensively, and he's still young and has some upside offensively, some tools that guys like, and that's what 
so I see I see the tools. Maybe they're not there yet as a as a young twenty one year old, twenty one plus year old guy. But his defense will help carry him to the big leagues and give him an opportunity to become an impact offensive prospect. So those are the kind of guys that you know when defense I think sometimes can matter uh, as it relates to fantasy, which is you know only offensively driven. Yeah, no, I mean Purdue was a good example. Like a couple years ago, my show prospect one, I had uh, Christian Robinson on, who's who's one of their mm-hmm. top prospects, who's dealing with his own stuff right now. And I had asked him, like, you know, give me a guy in the system that you think no one's talking about. And he instantly was like, Perdomo. You know, he's like, Perdomo. He's like, you guys got to pay attention to him. And I had saw him on the backfields and he hit his first career homer. And I was like, yeah, yeah, Perdomo makes sense. Then the next season in the Arizona Fall League in 2019, Perdomo was one of the younger guys. Because to your point, he's only 21 years old. He's not even 22 yet. And he's already hit the majors. And uh, he was one of the youngest players out here in the Fall League. And he was playing for the Salt River Rafters, it was. And I had asked two different play, uh, two different players across. I had asked this to a lot of different guys, but um, Seth Beer, uh, who was his teammate, had singled him out when I kind of asked him that question. And a completely different player, Josh Lowe, uh, with the Tampa Bay Rays, I had asked about some players, and he singled out Perdomo. So I've had like lots of different people single him out for that type of talent, and it just hasn't quite caught up. And sometimes it never will. And you know, Rosario has kind of caught up, but Perdomo is also like not one of the. You know, the number one players, but he's a great defensive player. Every time I ever saw him, especially in the fall league, he's just a, a contact machine. Uh, he's got the power. He just hasn't built into it. He's going to take a little bit. But yeah, defensive prowess is important. Key Brian Hayes was one of those guys I was always defensive of. Um, good contact skills. He had raw power. He could steal. And he was a great defensive third baseman. And look at him now. You know, I mean, he's a perennial like, you know, rookie of the year candidate type of player. So defense matters. And and that's what's good. But the the problem is, is you know, deciphering through prospect information, you just have to know what you're looking for and how to read through it because people will be like, oh yeah, this guy, he's like a double plus here, it's a double plus there. And like, he's, you know, we're going to shade off a little bit because he just might not have the potential to play in center and he might have to go to right. And it's like, what do we care? You know, fantasy, I don't care if he's in right field or in center field. I want to know, does the bat play? And that's where grades and future values and stuff get skewed can get skewed and can throw us off uh, the scent of a fantasy player sometimes for both reasons if a guy can't play center or might not be a shortstop they'll like ding them and then they might not be as excited uh, or vice versa hey if it's a hit only guy with less defense like we have to be able to decipher those and that is something i've attempted to do for uh, quite a few years on prospect one is to talk about prospects and someone i see them i, I go out and i I scout as much as I can and I talk to them and stuff. I'm not a scout. Um, I do all that. And then I also talk to people about them from a fantasy perspective. And I think that's, you know, I think it's a helpful conversation to have. And more people are doing it now, which is great. It's great for uh, it's great for everybody that are trying to get into prospects. It is great. And it's also great that you have reinforced my uh, Perdomo trade. So I'm happy to hear. Yeah, that. yeah, I like Perdomo. I mean, I'm a little <laughs> bit like I'm a little bit tenuous on the the bat right now. I don't love that he's. He's been banged up this year, and he's he's just struggling. But at the same time, it's like he's 20, he's 21 years old. Yeah. You know, he's in Double A. It's yeah. been a, a really weird transitional year. Like, I don't think he's a massive impact offensive player. But like, could he be a 15-15 guy? Yeah, I think that's possible. Could there be more in there? Maybe. And he's a great defender, so he stays on the field. Even Nick Ahmed. Nick Ahmed had one of the worst bats you've ever seen for years. Uh, but he was a gold glove defender. And then all of a sudden, he he's not awesome, but he became fantasy relevant. You know, he Ender made himself Ciarte fantasy too. relevant. Good, I think of that. Yeah. Ender Ciarte. Same yeah, same Perar- yeah, exactly. Totally. 
Totally. And this is a 30 team league, by the way. So I don't need him to do oh, some heavy yeah. lifting for me. Even um, better. Yeah, even yeah. better. Um, I want to talk about the draft with you. The draft has kind of uh, ebbed and flowed the last couple of years. So last year, 2020, it was five rounds. And I kind of I kind of liked it. The, the energy yeah. like picked up. Every pick seemed to be have like a brighter spotlight on it. And now this year we kind of went back to 20 rounds, which is is fewer than it used to be. It, I mean, what was what was Mike Piazza drafted in like the 60th round? That's the thing everybody loves to throw out there or 45th or it's yeah, a funny. You know, Goldie was like a, a yeah. 30th round pick or something. Maybe so are you in on the 20 round draft or did you like the shorter draft? Can we find a middle ground somewhere here? Because 20 is a lot of draft picks. It's totally a lot of draft picks. I mean, I personally like my sweet spot is 10. Um, I think it's tough because there's just so many guys out there. But at the same time, you know, they, they lowered the systems. I'm out here in Arizona and the complex levels, they're packed. You've got some teams yeah. that have two teams. You've got um, they don't have like necessary restrictions. So even teams that aren't dual, they might have 50 guys here and they're just packed up because you don't have homes. You have four systems. You have a Dominican uh, league and then you have rookie, but you have four main systems without restrictions on complex. So you've already eliminated one to two different levels. You're packed at the lower levels. You're bringing national guys. I don't know. You know, there, there's an argument to be said, you know, like you said, uh, 30th round and there's, there's great guys being found and it does, you don't want to lessen the opportunity and stuff like that. But 20 is a lot. I think it loses the interest kind of wanes also with the, uh, potential collective, well, the, the will be a collective bargaining agreement issues and, and what's going to happen in baseball presumed from everybody that there will be an international draft. There'll be no more international signing period that everybody thinks in baseball and the inner work, workings and scouts think that this will be the last year that we have the signing period. And then with the new collective bargaining agreement, ba the players association is going to have to sacrifice. And one of the sacrifices will be that they'll move to an international draft. So it's like, we're going to go like 20, 40 rounds of majors and then another set of international. I think you could hone it in. I think that's what baseball is doing. I, 10 is good. Maybe 12. If you want to go 15, 20 is just a, it's a little bit much. Um, but, you know, it, it is what it is. And back in the day, I remember, you know, checking all the 40s and stuff. But in my personal world, I, I lean a little bit more you. I like the impact where teams aren't like they're not screwing around a whole bunch. You know, they're just taking their guys. But sometimes some stuff hit. The Pirates just took a kid, uh, Braylon Bishop, but one time was seen as a first rounder. This high school, crazy athletic high school outfielder who was seen as a first rounder had a really bad, poor year. Um, just for a lot of different reasons. He fell to the 18th round. Everyone was like, well, pff, he's not going to sign. He's going to go to college. And he signed. He just signed. And that's one of those things that like the the higher level you know the the more amount of picks that they have there's a little bit more wiggle room because teams can take a bunch of college guys pay them not a lot and then you can swing on a on a player that everybody's skipping in the 15th round and try to pay him you know 125,000 or whatever so it's just semantics i like i'm with you i just like kind of the faster pace and i'm more used to like traditional like nfl drafts and stuff so you know 10 to 12 would be my speed it's just a it's a they had a, they finally had a good tv show for the draft it was the i think it was the first time ever the show was actually good it's always been really awkward. It's in like this small, quiet room, which echoes and no one was there. And um, I never liked it. I thought it was painful to watch. And it, it was like a real draft this year. And um, yeah. I would li I like that they fixed that problem. And now we need to make the, the draft picks matter a little bit more. And at least day sure. one was good. And day one yeah, it was good. Day one was pretty crazy in that I thought 
after maybe the, there's tiers of players and the tiers can be broken down kind of based on personal preference. But, you know, there were only a handful of guys that had a chance to go one, um, kind of the same handful, like for, for pick two and three, but then it felt like anybody could go. And we, we had no idea like picks three, like Jackson Job went three, I mean, higher than most people had him, but it wasn't that weird that he went three, but from three to like 14, it seemed like we, Who's anyone can go right now? There, there is no mock draft that's going to nail this. So, what did you think while you were watching round one? Um, what kind of takeaways did you have? Like, what was just going on through your head when you saw, you know, picks one, two, three, four start to to go off the board? Yeah, I mean, I was surprised. There was a lot of money saving that was going on. Um, I hated it being on Sunday. By the way, I just <laughs> hated that. I thought that was stupid, and and it paired with the futures game was also really dumb. But you could just see you could this is like it was very business like because I had I was doing a live stream on my uh, my in this league Patreon for the draft. And w- there was this rumor out of Henry Davis and Jim Callis reported he's going one. And it's like I said, well, check this out. I think there's a real possibility that if Davis goes one, that two and three are already set. You know, they, mm-hmm. they're already just locked in. So that has a real potential for Marcelo Meyer to Meyer to fall. If that happens, and that's exactly what happened, you know, Davis under slot, the Pirates did some business. Um, Rangers paid over slot, I think, like the fourth or fifth highest. But I, I thought there was a lot of like, just like team philosophy throwing in instead of just like best available player. That's the only thing I don't like about the baseball uh, draft is I wish there was more trading. I wish there wasn't all this like slot type of stuff. I wish it was just capped things because you get teams like doing weird like is henry davis the best player like maybe Mm -hmm. real life he's close to that but you know jordan lawler from a fantasy perspective might be the best and you get kumar rocker who fell and it just some of that stuff just kind of gets under your skin if you have an oriole if you're an orioles fan you just got to be annoyed at this point like they they went crazy under slot with their fifth overall pick which was a shock by the way and then they just didn't really spend it on, on a whole lot of other places. So it was a wild, wild west. That's what it was. Frank uh, Mazzucato, who went to the Royals, was like, holy crap, are you kidding me? He went before Kumar Rocker. Uh, the kid threw four straight no-hitters in high school. But it was um, it was the real wild, wild west. And you're coming off of a year of weird scouting and misscouting, and then looks for whatever this season was. And... um. I thought some teams made out like bandits. You know, I think the Diamondbacks getting Jordan Lawler was a huge get. I think the Red Sox getting Marcelo Meyer was a huge hit, but it was solid pitching class, a good high school hitting class, but it lacked college. It just lacked a lot of college upside. The upside is hard to pinpoint. I feel like this is going to be a draft where we could come back and look and we're like, holy crap, you know, Gavin Williams went 23 into the Indians and there's just a lot of stuff we didn't expect the Padres taking Jackson Merrill was like a total shock I just you kind of dropped your jaw I feel like I dropped my jaw in this draft maybe more than I had in the previous couple and yeah I I definitely did and it seems like maybe it's recency bias it seems like a pretty deep draft is maybe not with stars at the top there's there's a few but it just seemed like a, a solid draft deep enough with lots of guys that you can at least see the the tools there and you can see them as big leaguers um in the first round and maybe you can always say that but this year seemed different it seemed like the first 20 30 guys um you know maybe they were interchangeable for a reason maybe it was hectic in the first round yeah. for a reason and that you know a lot of these guys um it comes down to personal preference from each team and, and what they're looking for and it is too bad uh, it, it's the only draft you're right where the, 
the best player it's doesn't just get picked who's number one on your board let's pick that guy um do you think teams yeah. like doing that uh, or or why is this oh, yeah. why is this still happening i know i'm asking you 15 different questions no but. totally they do you know what this reminds me of this is uh i would have an analogy of this to um the fantasy and like there's a lot of old people, not like old people, but like there's a lot of people who've been doing fantasy for like a long time. I've been doing it for a long time, but like, you know, I'm not 40. I'm, I'm under that, but there's dudes, you know, that, you know, the guys that'll love to tell you about how they played fantasy in the nineties or whatever. And what they love, what they love to do. And it's a perfect example is there are, there are some outdated sites. You would say like Yahoo and ESPN, you know, those are the big ones. And, you know, there's some other up and coming ones, but then there's still these sites out there that just they're garbage. Their interface is garbage. You can't do anything. It's it's unbelievable that they're still being used. But it's the old school mentality where what people will do is they'll consider part of the strategy is also where you play and how you manage. I, I'm playing, I won't be specific about it, but I, I'm playing in a big industry thing of a site that it sucks and it's difficult and it does things that don't make sense and it's not intuitive. It doesn't like it doesn't put everything in one place. You got to go in a lot of places. And to me, it's purposefully made difficult because they build in the strategy of fantasy around the site that you play on, which I think is asinine. I think it's ridiculous. It should be the easiest site to plan. So the same vein, I do think there are people that in baseball that love this. The old school mentality loves it because it's a, it's a game. It's a game of chess. It's a challenge. Hey, and Pirates had a great draft. And, you know, they couldn't have done it if they had taken Jordan Lawler one overall or Meyer one overall. They couldn't have taken the guys that they did in later rounds and the Lonnie Whites and um, the, uh, the 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 kid. Uh, I'm forgetting the pitcher. The pitcher they took Solomito, I think it was. They couldn't have done those without paying over slots. So I think they see them that as a strategy, and you can see it. There are teams that like to do that. The Pirates like to do that. The cheaper teams, the Orioles, like to do that. Um, and then there are teams that are just give me best available player Rangers, give me best available player. So, yeah, I, I think there's a lot of baseball that likes to have that maneuverability of being able to play the later rounds, even into the first round. I think it's played out. Maybe it's my traditionalist or growing up with football as well. And just it's like, here's the draft, you know, and, um, I would rather there be trading of picks than I would them doing this slot stuff 10 out of 10 times. And I'm shocked that more baseball people don't want that as well. But, you know, teams, uh, sometimes careers are made out of being able to do this. The drafts that some of these guys walk out of the pirates, to be fair, they changed the outlook of their organization, uh, especially their minor league system off of this draft. They did a lot of good stuff and they've already had a pretty good system built up. So, you know, it's, it's hard to argue it, I suppose at some point, but, um, the best players not going at the top, I don't know. It's classic baseball. It's just like, you know, Hey, you got these awesome young players, but let's not make minor league baseball accessible on television. And let's make sure we manipulate service time. So, you know, the best don't come up in the first three or four years. So we forget about them. That's the problem with the draft too. It's like, we're talking about Kumar Rocker and John Leiter. Everyone gets excited and you're not going to see him for like two or three years. And people forget. And the excitement wanes, especially for the common fan, not like people that are listening to like you and me talk about prospects. It's just, it's a failure of like baseball and the draft and minor league system overall, but I'm not really sure where, what the fix is. It is it is very slow to evolve baseball, but one of the yeah. slowest of any any sports. And um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what they're going to do because th- there's the diehards that are in control of baseball or the, not. Maybe not the diehards, the traditionalists who are in charge of baseball um, don't want a thing to change. They'll change and, some of it. You know, the collective bargaining agreement, if they if if they do something about like Super 2 and uh, that 
type of manipulation. It might shave well, the off DH a year or two. Will be huge. Getting the yeah. DH to the National League is, yeah, that's is something. It's just a really easy fix. Don't have to do a lot of heavy lifting there, and you know the game yeah, is improved get, right away. Get these nineteen-year-old, eighteen, you know, eight, maybe nineteen-year-old, twenty-year-old kids. Get them more in the majors if they're the best player. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, why uh, look at I mean Fernando Tatis Jr. is best best players alive right now for uh, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. too and they came up at a really early age and yeah, they Soto, probably could have come up a year the, before the best so. players were all exactly. 20, 20 years old yeah exactly you have one bring them up what's what's the problem yeah and get more of them get more of them going so um who's your favorite pick from day one maybe not necessarily the best player the best value the best situation for a guy to fall into maybe some kind of combination of all of those things that you know makes it stand out from from your gut, at least, what is your gut telling you was your favorite pick? Uh, well, I mean, there's a homerus in me of of saying Jordan Lawler with the Diamondbacks. Um, That's fine because I'm a Diamondback fan. That's yeah. not like, maybe the top one. It's it was such a great fall uh, for them as long as they can sign him. You know, he wants over slot, and um, you know, it's coming up to the deadline. Lawler is just a great, you know, barrage of tools and power, and and he and him falling to six was a shock, but like. The most shocking one to me was probably Khalil Watson because yeah. like, from a fantasy perspective, I had him, I had him at two. I kind of moved him a little bit. Just, you know, there's something to consider about teams moving on him. And he just signed, by the way, like as we're recording this just today. But Khalil Watson at 16 to the Marlins is like just such a get. It's ridiculous. He's speed and bat speed and contact and raw power for being a little bit smaller. And he's just, he's flashy and you know, from a fantasy perspective, he has the potential to be the most valuable of anybody in this draft because, you know, Meyer might be the safest, just a bunch of good tools. Lawler might have the most power, can steal a little bit, but Watson has the, he's the type of guy that could be like, you know, 25, 35, you know, 20, you know he'd be a 20 plus Homer guy with 30 plus stolen bases if all works out. So from a fantasy perspective, he's got the biggest upside. There's something to consider with like how far he dropped you know, and was it about teams kind of having their game plan set, knowing who they were going to get and, and teams scared of having to pay over slot? Because, I mean, if you start to look like how many teams before him paid massive over slots, really not a lot. Like the Nationals will, but they took Brady House and there's a lot of, un- I mean, I'm looking as it right now, a lot of the guys were under slot. After the Diamondbacks, uh, Mazzucato, Underslot, Benny Montgomery signed for Underslot, Sam Bachman, uh, the list goes on. Andrew Painter, they all were Underslot players. So like Khalil Watson, I think he got like a million more. So teams just didn't want to pay over slot. So that's maybe more of it, but maybe there's something deeper. But Watson was like, he was one of my favorite dudes coming into the draft. I kind of could see Khalil Watson having a little... uh fuck you guys going forward mentality totally. for not taking, for not taking me. And oh, yeah, I, as you would, what are my irrational like sports takes is like, I love guys that have like those dumb chips on their shoulder that maybe sure. aren't logical, but like, we'll make them play harder. Like everyone has those. If you're not like Michael Jordan had these, he would make up things to be upset about in a game to get angry and play harder and play better. And like if Cleo Watson, you know, wants to be mad about getting picked 16, um, I'm all in for it. And yeah, I think chip on, chip on your shoulder, like, man. <laughs> he was one of my favorite guys in the draft too. And I'm looking forward to, uh, yeah, I agree. Getting a discount on him, uh, when my, my fantasy leagues pick. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm not going to do any favors to help any discounts if anyone <laughs> listens to anything I do, but he's a top, he's like a no doubt top four fantasy, uh, first year player pick to me in my mind. And the cool thing is because not everybody is so do- like dove in. If people look more based on like where guys went, you know, he might go around. I've seen other people rank him around eight, nine, 10. Like that's a, 
steel. So you know what that is? It's reminiscent. It's reminiscent to me of Robert Hassel because Robert Hassel was one of my absolute favorite players coming out of last draft. Just one of the best high school hitters. He could run just everything about him. And I got him as a top 20 prospect now. And I think most people agree at this point. Everybody's on board with me right now because the hit tool is there. He's dominating at his level. And that's one of those guys that was going around like 10, 11, 12. Yeah, later. And people not paying line. attention. Yeah, I was going later. And this is one of the best high school hitters. Like Khalil Watson, I wouldn't like one for one them, but like Khalil Watson has the same, he has the same ability to have the trajectory that uh, Robert Hassel has. Where now, you know, I would say people might, you might argue Robert Hassel might be the best out of that class over Nick Gonzalez, over Austin Martin at this Zach point. Bain. Like they're close. They're close. Zach Bean? Uh, yeah. I mean, I wasn't like the, the craziest Zach Bean guy. I was a little critical at the beginning of the year, but he like, he's rocketing up. I think that's the tier. I think the tier yeah. Veen and Hassel are vying for that top spot where I think Nick Gonzalez and Austin Martin might've been, might've, you know, like the, they're the most pro ready. They're close and stuff like that, that I think those four clumped in together. Like I can't even deny what Veen and walk, the walks and the stolen bases early. And now he's turned it on with power. That's how development works. Veen is so impressive. I'm so impressed. And, you know, shout out to, I always thought it was a little crazy, some of the early Veen ranks and stuff like that. But right now, he's proving it uh, proving it right. Not to brag, but uh, Zach Veen did like one of my comments about him versus Robert Hassel on Twitter. Oh. And then he unliked it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you, did you screenshot it, though? No. Well, I, I think I did send it to a couple of friends. Yeah, you got a like, screenshot. Yeah, That's talking, what I did. I was talking shit about Veen, and then he liked it. And I was like, okay, I, I respect that. Uh, and then he, like a couple hours later, unlocked it. That's that's my favorite thing. Whenever I can get like guys, like either sometimes I get prospects following me, and sometimes that's fun. Or when like when Jordan Lawler got picked, I tweeted at him, and he liked it. And I'm like, we're gonna save this. We're gonna save. Uh, we're gonna save Lawler liking this. That's gonna be a a non fungible token. You can like save that and you know yeah. make some money in 20 years. Yeah, yeah, like three uh, bucks. Speaking of Robert Hassel, since you brought this up, uh, what's being floated around in San Diego right now, potentially irrationally? Gallo for Eric Cosmer and Robert Hassel the third. Do you say yes or no? What that? was the trade? Gallo for what? For Hosmer and Robert Hassel. No chance. Uh, I mean, I see the logic there because you're taking on the con. Okay, so and we now paid, no, the Potters had paid money too. Um, no, I don't know how much, but I okay. So I know the report you're talking. You're talking about the Kevin AC report of like Possibly, one of the yeah. To yeah, one of the top four guys is going to go. It's I tweeted out about this. Much. Yeah, I, I tweeted this out. To me, it's Mackenzie Gore that's gone. Mm -hmm. I said, I said, uh, Mackenzie Gore makes a lot of sense in the trade. I would say, I, never say never. You know, the Mets, their favorite thing to do is trade high upside outfielders. Nothing they love more. But I would say, no way Hassel gets traded. And Mackenzie Gore is at the absolute tippy top of the list. In that, I, so I think that's how they're going to get one of those trades done. And I know Texas is listening on Gallo and um, Hosmer snapped too. I don't know if you saw the interview yeah, today <laughs> where he, yeah, they're like, what'd you feel about being here for the low? And he's like, that was a stupid question. And then he walked out. I didn't um, know that was a stupid question. <laughs> it wasn't really that. I totally agree. It wasn't that dumb of a question, but you can tell how like, you know, intense it is. I think it's McKenzie Gore, but the side notion of AC of Kevin's report is could be Luis Capusano. Like, cause Capusano it's technically like a top four, you know, like in, in one of the top four prospects. Cause that's what he said. He's like top four prospects yeah, yeah. get traded. So I think Capusano makes sense, but I think in what you're talking about, 
is if you're trading Hosmer to get Gallo you, and you got to, it's similar to like what just happened with Starling Marte and Jesus Lazardo. I think it's Gore, man. I think they're done. I think they've, um, they've exhausted everything. I think they loved him, but I think the upside has waned and, and Ryan Weathers has come through and they, you know, they've got Clevenger coming back. I think they're in on one of Scherzer or Barrios. And I kind of thought that's where that trade would end up going. And I just think I, I described it on um, the In This League Fantasy Baseball podcast uh, today, as people are going to listen to it, that it's almost like like McKinsey Gore was like playing with like Play-Doh, you know, and it was just like, you know, he gets drafted and you're like, I got all these colors, all this Play-Doh. And then someone's like, can I have some? And you're like, no, this is my Play-Doh. And you're like, I can build all this stuff. And you're building and you're building and you're doing all this stuff. And then like you're still building and building and it's not working and it's not going. And then finally, like you just get up and you walk away and you come back a couple hours and it's kind of like hardened. And you're just like, oh, I don't know. Like that's kind of like how I think with Gore, like the upside was through the roof. But I think I think the command issues are something they don't know how to fix because it's now two years straight um i think the stuff is good but his confidence is down they cannot fix his command issues and i just don't know if they think he even fits in the plans morion will be back at some point uh, off of tommy john and you got clevenger coming back and they can constantly make trades and you know they, they've developed a couple guys uh, that you know weren't superstars they weren't big in the draft on these guys i say all that to say like yeah, he's kind of the tippy top of what they have left at starting pitching, but I think Gore is expendable to them. And I just don't see them needing or caring or wanting to hold on if they can make a big impact move. So my gut is my gut is Gore, but the most makes sense side of it is Capusano. I don't think Hassel gets traded. There's no way he gets traded in my mind, especially not in that how you, that deal that you just mentioned. Okay. That's I mean, that's good insight. I just w- wanted to see what you thought about that. And it's interesting to Gore. Because are are other teams just slower to react on Gore? Like because he's sliding down pretty much every list that, that that's out there. So our teams is dialed in. Are are their scouts you know seeing the same things that the Padres are seeing? They must be. They're all they're all, these all these games. So they what, also talk. They talk yeah. though too. So that's the other what, thing. Like how is Gore still in this conversation then? If he's sliding the way everyone seems to think he's sliding. Well, I, I think because there's teams that believe they can. There's Teams that can fix things. I mean, look at Lazardo. Lazardo just got traded, and there's some stuff with him. Yeah. You know, Eno Saris had mentioned how he needs to reshape the fastball, and he's had some injuries. And there are teams that are, you know, they they feel they're better with injuries. And like the Marlins is a great spot. There's teams that have clearly been better with developing pitching. Marlins and Mariners specifically. So if you've got a team that has seen enough of Mackenzie Gore and seen like the good Mackenzie Gore, like seen it work before. And then now they're seeing these command issues and, you know, and he just cannot catch up when he's behind. I watched him starts earlier this year in the minors. It's just atrocious that there are teams out there that say, hey, listen, it's a 22 year old kid. He's got three really good pitches and we can get back to this. You know, we can fix this, that he's the type of guy you target. You know, like Capusano, like he's an OK catcher. He's like, yeah, it's some good pop and uh, and whatever. But like, is he like a game changing catcher? No, but Gore has a potential for the right team. So I could see why he would be a target. For anybody, because you're just taking shots in the dark at this point, and it's a huge acquisition from a name perspective. That I think they all talk, and you'll have scouts, you know, you'll have Mariner scouts be like, "Yeah, he just can't you know, command the ball right now." Like that's fixable. I think a lot of people think that's fixable. They could change the the way he pitched. I mean, there's so many things that you can do 
that we're not, it's not like a 25 year old pitch. This is not Mark Appel. You know, this is yeah. just uh, Mackenzie Gore, 22 during the pandemic and off the pandemic has found the biggest struggles that he's ever had in his probably, you know, lifetime of pitching. And there's a team out there that thinks they can fix it with the upside. And that's why he's still a top three or four prospect. And that's why I think teams, you know, teams will target him and I could be wrong. It could just be Capisano and the Mariners just, or the Padres just keep going with it. But I think this is the time that you can move off, especially this team specifically with all of these pitchers and all the controllability they have and what's available out there right now. You know, like I said, they could make a trade for Gallo and then they could also maybe go get Barrios or, you know, rent on Scherzer because they've got the they got the stuff to do it. I just don't think it comes from C.J. Abrams or Robert Hassel. Those two, to me, are untouchable. I hope you're right. I don't want to move either of those guys. Either, yeah. So. Um, back to the draft for a minute, because I know the Potter fans want to hear your thoughts on Jackson Merrill. Jackson Merrill seemed like such a Padres pick. Uh, AJ is traditionally an underslot first round kind of guy. And then James Wood seemed like a very unprellerish type pick. I don't know the guy that's the opposite of a helium prospect. He over the last year has, I mean, there's growing concerns about an already concerning strikeout rate with him. Um, big name who, who had first round buzz and it was a second round pick. Um, what'd you think of those two picks back to back Jackson Merrill and then James Wood? Are you a James Wood guy? I am. I'm a James Wood guy. That's actually my guy. I was really high on him, right. uh, especially for fantasy, just because like I'll go on like crazy elite power. Uh, he's got swing and miss problems and you don't love to see that at like the super young age, but he's huge. Uh, it reminds me a little of, uh, like a, a mix of Aaron judge coming out of the draft and totally. Seth beer. Yeah, I agree with that. I totally agree. I mean, Seth is, it's, it's funny. It's like Seth is not as big as you. No, he's not. You ran with him in person, but judge. Profile, yeah. I guess. What is like crazy raw power. And I think he's just still raw. And is it ever going to get amazing? I don't know, but he's the type of guy I bet on like pre-draft. Dude, I had him at like, I'm like top 15 overall or something like that. Like from an offense, you got to remember offensive fantasy perspective. Yes. So like th this was, this is part of that underslot thing. Jackson Merrill wasn't really on uh, a big radar of mine. And I mean, I'm, I'm also, I, I wouldn't tout myself of being like, you know, uh, I can shout off you know, 10 rounds worth of players. It's like, no, I'll focus on like the top 100, <laughs> 150 or any other guys that jump out. Maybe I paid attention to Jackson Merrill just wasn't a, a big guy that I've paid attention to, but uh, decent contact skills. And he's actually out here in the complex. He just made his debut out here in Arizona uh, two nights ago, and I wasn't able to get out there. I do plan on getting out there in the next couple of days. And uh, he got two hits in his debut. Um, or let me see. It wasn't two. He's played two games. I think he had a hit in each game. Yeah, he had a hit in each game. So he's hitting 333, which is a positive sign. He's got his you know first career RBI. He doesn't have anything else on top of that. But him and Max Ferguson, who's another guy, by the way, I like out of Tennessee, who was at one time a first round potential pick. And um, he just kind of lost it. And I watched, I actually was watching this Tennessee game where he just jacked a homer, but He's a stolen base dude, and uh, Max Ferguson stole two bases in his pro debut out here. He was a college kid, though. Yeah. But, like, I ha I'm i a wood guy through and through. Jackson Merrill, I think, was a solid pick. They took him to underslot to be able to get James Wood, and they are able to sign him. I think Wood has a big empower bat, uh, impact power, power bat, and if he can, and the Padres can, find a way to... It, it, whether it's pitch recognition or swing change to to lower the strikeouts and make him hone in over the next couple of years on the pitch recognition, he could be a big impact bat. 
And, um, you know, they're really building for the future on that outfield where it could be Wood and Hassel. And honestly, it might be Abrams at some point. That could be part of an outfield. I love Wood. He's going to be a big, big yeah, phrasing. Uh, I'm, I'm immature. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, I am too. I am too. That's why I dropped a little phrasing. He'll be the, I will have him above Merrill in any first year player stuff. But, you know, hey, listen, once I get to go see him, that might change. Like it happens a lot. That's an advantage. Once I can start seeing these guys, I'll have a better perspective and I'll probably have a better perspective in the next week or so. Once I get to see Jackson Merrill, I assume James Wood will be out here and maybe on the team shortly. And, uh, you know, Max Ferguson is someone for people to watch as well. All right. Well, we're going to clip you saying I love wood and we're going to use that for later. Uh, <laughs> um, last thing, last thing before we get out of here, I wanted to get your thoughts on the Adam Frazier trade, uh, bringing him in from Pittsburgh. And there were a lot of big names flying around. So I think he has kind of been under the radar and in the talks before the trade happened. No one was really thinking about Adam Frazier necessarily. And now since he's the first big trade, um, he gets some some spotlight for so good for him. But yeah, not the sexiest guy. And the prospects going back to Pittsburgh also aren't the sexiest, um, except for Tukupita Marcano, who's my boy and who I will miss very much. Yeah. But Mitchell Miliano um, and Jack Sawinski. Miliano was a 2016 international signing from the Dominican Republic, who yeah, in low A, this, a few times. Yeah. low A this year, he was striking out two guys in the inning. It's like insane. Um, is a reliever only. But uh, Sawinski, 15th round draft pick from 2016 also, who has found some pop this year. He has 15 home runs as a 22-year-old in double-A. So, Frazier coming to the Padres, how do you think he fits in? And then, um, are any of those prospects uh, guys for you going forward? I mean, Mar Marcano is fine. Yeah, actually, I likened Marcano to an Adam Frazier type. He's kind of the same type of guy. Uh, I think he can steal more, but he's like a, you know, a good defender, can play multiple spots, can play the infield, can play the outfield, good contact skills. I remember seeing Marcano out here in, I think it was like 2018 or maybe it was sometime in 2019, maybe during extended spring training, whatever it was. I remember he just popped before anybody was like really knew who he was. And it was like, oh, this guy's got some really good contact skills and he was stealing. So like Marcano, it's a perfect type of trade. You, you traded Adam Frazier, Pittsburgh did, to get like a controllable Adam Frazier for multiple years. Yeah. So it made sense for the Pirates. I think it made sense for the Padres because he just didn't. The Padres are just so flush and they just they're constantly churning out guys that you can move more expendable, non-elite type of player. It was a great trade by them. They didn't trade it's a, a whole lot. It's a conveyor belt system right now. They're producing it a is. ton of talent every year and they're it's a just great way to put changing it, by the way, a conveyor it into belt system. Like, yeah, they're just they're just upgrading every position every year yeah. from their depth. It's it's and, kind of a, and they do it from the draft. It, and they got yeah. guys, you know, towards the bottom that um, guys that have been there for like Jordy Barley has like almost thirty stolen bases this year, and he's he's not he didn't make contact, but he's got power. He might start to pop. Uh, Eurebio uh, Angelis, I think his name is, is um, he's starting to just pop off. I think he's like top three in minor league baseball and hits. You know, so that's another guy that's establishing value. They got some good pitchers. They just replenish through the draft. Like they just keep churning out trade assets while continuously getting like an elite guy every single year. They got Abrams. They got Hassel. You know, uh, arguably you could say James Wood could maybe be in that territory. You know, they're churning out guys at some point. They're close to this system being depleted. Um, they're like two more trades and a graduation from having one of the, you know, like probably bottom 10 systems in baseball, but they just have depth and they can keep moving through. So like you said, it's a conveyor belt and churning. They did find Frazier. 
is probably going to fit once they move Hosmer and Cronenworth can play first and Frazier second. I think it says a lot about Hassan Kim, by the way, which I was very aggressive in thinking like, listen, they committed to Hassan Kim and he had some real power and it just has come nothing close to translating. And I think this says a lot about him as well in this future trade. And I, uh, on ITL baseball, we actually had Derek Cardi, who's a creator of the bat and the bat X, which is a projection system. And we specifically talked about this with him about like, Hey, listen, Adam Frazier goes from like a middling steel team to the best and highest rate and most steals in baseball in the San Diego Padres. And he's going to hit number one. So if he plays every day, don't we have to look at the projections of him being this like empty stat player to maybe having a little bit more impact and it's possible. And I think it's something to consider when he's there. It's a great trade. Uh, build as much depth as possible, have utility players around your stars. And like they said, Wait to see all the trades until we say anything. Because if Hosmer goes and they bring in Cronenworth, what if they also bring in Gallo? Or what if they bring in Barrios or Scherzer? Padres are going to make moves. They're going to go after it because the Dodgers are vulnerable. You know, they're vulnerable and their bullpen's been a little bit shaky. They, they're going to lose Bauer for the year. Um, Seeger is rehabbing out here, but not quite back. Bellinger's struggling. Like, they smell blood. And the sharks in the water. <laughs> sharks in the water, man. And they are going to make their moves and don't, you know, I, I think the Dodgers are going to be the ones that are going to snag Scherzer, but it's possible that the, you never count out the Padres. They're just going to do stuff and they have the assets. I, I will be shocked and you can check back in with me. If Abrams or Hassel were involved in a trade, I would be utterly shocked. Nobody else I'd be shocked about. I think everybody else is on the table for this team. Well, I think you just gained a lot of new pottery fans for uh, all that sweet talk you were just dumping on us. Well, I mean, I've been I go to the backfields. I've uh, I've been called a pseudo Padres fan for five years because uh, I live close to the Padres facility, Peoria, and I'm there all the time. I as much as I possibly can. I was just there a couple uh, like a week and a half ago to watch the complex level team, and I'm always down on the backfields and always watching these guys. And I've you know, I used to love Esturi Ruiz and I've, you know, I've seen all of these guys. So I'm, uh, I'm with everybody, even though I'm a Diamondbacks fan, I, I have that pseudo Padre in me. No, we claim you you're, you're on the wagon, not even the bandwagon. You've moved up the, the, ca the caravan to the, just the regular wagon. You're, I like you're with it. us. I like it. <laughs> that is Chris Welsh. Follow him at, is it the Welsh? Go listen to prospect one in this league. Welsh, you got anything, uh, cooking this weekend? Um, I know you're consuming a lot of baseball in Arizona right now. You're writing podcasting something uh, always podcasting i'll have a new prospect one coming up this week uh where i'll be breaking down any of the prospects that get traded talking about you know all the kind of hot bats that are going on i'll probably be talking about how merrill and ferguson are some of the first draft guys actually that are making their debut uh and they came out here i'm very hopeful to go over and see some of them i'm really hopeful that james wood would appear as well um, but I continue just to try to get my looks in the complex. I've seen most of them, but you got a lot of draft guys that are going to start peeking around. So, uh, check out prospect one new episode coming out this week and the ITL baseball podcast and just on Twitter, because that is where I will post out some of my tweets and stuff. And then obviously our Patreon, uh, patreon.com slash ITL army. We do have a prospect one group me room, which is like a discord. And, um, but it's part of like, if you're in the Patreon and I will share like video, and stuff that I don't share on Twitter, like, you know, just like other prospects, you know, things that I just don't put together compilations. I might give like different names that people, um, you know, might be curious about, like if Justin Lang were pitching, that would be somewhere I would like probably, you know, show him or something like that. So that's about it. Nice. Chris, thanks for stopping by. Thanks, man. You're welcome anytime. And uh, we'll get to talk to you again real soon. I appreciate it, Ryan, as always. All right. Thank you again to Chris Welsh. Always enjoy 
talking baseball and talking prospects with him. We'll probably get back on track next week with our weekly podcasts and potentially with Wade and potentially with Wade in studio because I know it sounds a lot better with Wade here, even though when we do it um, over the phone or over Skype, it's it's okay. But Wade always sounds like crap because he doesn't have a, a good microphone on his end. But anyway, appreciate you all for listening. Please follow the show's Twitter account at Friar Farmhands. If you enjoy, subscribe. If you don't enjoy, still subscribe. Well, on all your favorite platforms, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, TuneIn, Spotify, and iHeart. You can also find us at Believe.com and at Believe Podcasts. Please, your com- please leave your comments, questions, concerns, rating of the show on all platforms. You've been platforms, Jesus. You've been listening to the Believe in Padres Prospects Podcast on the Believe Podcast Network, San Diego's number one sports podcast network. I'm Ryan Hart. This was brought to you by BetOnline.ag. Check it out. We'll see you all next week. Just move on toward your destination. Though you may find from time to time. I love wood. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.